Hey guys, welcome back to session four. Uh, we're looking at Ephesians chapter four, uh, verses one to 16. This, this session will build on uh, some of the ideas that we've already been talking about in this study. Uh, we, we looked at in uh, Ephesians two, how God gives us new life in Christ. And then uh, immediately following that, and beginning in Ephesians 2, 11, how our new identity leads us into a new community. And so Ephesians 4 is, is now teaching us about uh, how do you live in this new community called the church. Um, the fact is we were, we were made for community. You don't have to look you know, hard to, to see this. You can see it in, in a variety of ways. Um, I think about when, when someone dies, um, the one thing that they want around them is, is people. They, they want their friends, they want their family, they want people that mean a lot to them. You'll never hear anybody uh, dying asking for their diploma or uh, some other accomplishment. Like, I, I just really wanna hold my, my trophy that I won as a 12-year-old. As a uh, no, what we want around us in, in these moments, in important moments, uh, are people. We're made for community. We're made in the image of God. And part of that means that we're made uh, for relationships. Our God is a community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God has met this need for community, deep, rich, spiritual community in the church. And this has always been God's purpose, to have a people for himself, a people that he reveals his glory to, a people that he reveals his glory through, a people that build up one another and advance his mission. And we've already looked at a few metaphors for the church, for the people of God in, in chapter two. Paul has already taught us that uh, we're, we're citizens in a kingdom, we're members of a family, we are stones in a temple. And now Paul's gonna add to this list of metaphors for the church, one of the most popular metaphors uh, in the whole New Testament, and that is that the church is a body. And so let's look at what it means to be a healthy body. We live in a world in which people are very, very concerned about their bodies. They're very concerned about their diet, about exercise. And, uh, and that's, a, that's a good thing to be concerned about, of course. But when it comes to the church, this is a body that we should all be very concerned about, that we, we maintain health. And so we need to understand what it means to be a healthy body and, and how we can contribute to the health of the body. So just if you're outlining, you're taking notes, you'll just see uh, three sections in uh, Ephesians chapter four that I wanna draw your attention to. Uh, first of all, Paul says that a healthy church is marked by spiritual unity. It's marked by spiritual unity. That, that appears in the first six verses as Paul is talking about the, the, the way in which we are all united. We're not united by preferences. We're not united by style. We're not united by background, but we're united, he says, in calling. We're united by character, and we're united by a common confession. That's what unites us. So verse one, for example, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, we're reminded here that Paul's writing from prison. Prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So from the very beginning of this section where Paul's about to give us a whole lot of things to do, uh, he reminds us that, uh, first of all, this is a privilege to be part of uh, the, the body of Christ, to be part of the people of God. We, we have a common calling. We've been, we've been brought into this, this community by God's grace. Uh, one of the books that uh, our church uh, looks at uh, regularly is a book uh, written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer called Life Together. And in Life Together, Bonhoeffer's talking about the privileges and the responsibilities of being a community of faith. And he says, it's grace and nothing but grace that we get to live in community with one another. 
it's, it's, it's great grace that you can have brothers and sisters. You can have, you can be part of the people of God. And all of this has come to us by a common calling. We have been called into this family. But there's more. Paul says in verse 2 that what unites us is our character. Like there's, there are particular character qualities that you and I should uh, be pursuing, virtues that we should uh, try to attain, that we may contribute to the unity and health of the body. And those include the characteristics really of Jesus, uh, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Th these are so important when it comes to living in relationships really with anyone. Uh, this idea of, of bearing with one another, of being humble, gentle, patient. You know, my wife, she's a, she's a saintly lady, and um, we, we have uh, all these kids, and uh, she tells our friends all the time, you know, I didn't struggle with cussing until I, until I became a mother. And I'm like, yeah, she's a pro now. I mean, you should see her go. Um, and I'm just kidding, of course, but uh, my wife has really uh, had moments, as I have as a parent, of uh, a lack of patience, a lack of bearing with one another. And the fact is, if you're going to be in a relationship with anyone, you need to learn this, this kind of love, this kind of forbearing love. And it's quite a challenge. It's a challenge in the body of Christ. And so Paul says, hey, you need to pursue these virtues. And then in verse 3, he, he says that we need to maintain the unity of the Spirit. It's important you notice here that, that we don't establish unity. God establishes the unity. Like, the unity is established by a common calling. Jesus has united us. We maintain this unity. We, we try to foster this unity. We try to patch it up. We try to play the peacemaker. And if you've been in the church uh, long at all, you know that uh, a church is, is a difficult place to, to uh, have harmony sometimes. And so you need to, to be zealous to, to try to maintain unity when you hear things like gossip. Um, sometimes people have unmet expectations and they can complain. Uh, maybe, and, and we all you know, are tempted with these, these kinds of issues. Bonhoeffer says that we have a, a lot of people have a wish dream of community. They have this idea that they want and they don't see it in their church. And so it's so easy to complain, to murmur, to gossip. But when you're doing that, you're out of step with the Spirit. You're out of step with Ephesians 4, which is teaching us to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Uh, this may mean that you, you play the role of peacemaker, that you try to reconcile with other people or you try to reconcile others. Um, and that's a very, very important ministry in a local church, is to try to contribute to the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. This doesn't mean we overlook uh, deficiencies and we neglect things that we should be changing in a church. Of course, we should always try to improve and we're, we're all growing in sanctification. But the fact is, if you're going to have unity, there has to be a sense of patience and grace with one another, tolerance with one another, sense of forbearing love. And you've got to be willing to, to have these awkward conversations at times. You know, that's what we, we tell our church. We want to be a church that has awkward conversations. <laughs> and I mean by that, conversations that they're not easy, uh, they're a little bit weird, but you need to have them if you're going to maintain unity. And what we've discovered is that God often shows up in these awkward conversations. Uh, he often is present there in a very strong way as we're trying to reconcile differences. And it shouldn't surprise us because Jesus cares about the unity of his church. So we're united by calling. We're united by character. And then he says in verses four to six, we're, we're united by confession. Like we believe something 
And, and that's what unites us. Again, we're not united by preferences, but we are united by doctrine. He says, there's one body, there's one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. This seems to be uh, an early creed or a confession of faith that, that, that Paul is, is uh, referring to. Um, whatever the case, you see here that, that believers have a shared framework of beliefs, and it's those beliefs that, that unite us. And so we need to, to realize the, the necessity of, of affirming sound doctrine together. This is what unites the church, and, and we need to, to try to contribute to disunity when we see it, and we need to celebrate these doctrines that, uh, that we, we all enjoy, doctrines of salvation, the doctrine of Christ, the idea that God is our Father. Uh, these are the beautiful doctrines that bring us together. So a, a, a healthy body is marked by a spiritual unity. Secondly, you notice here in this text that Paul says, starting in verse 7, that a healthy church is marked by spiritual diversity. Not necessarily a diversity in, in race or background, but a diversity in gifting. That we are all gifted to get, uh, differently. And these gifts are gifts of grace. Verse 7, he says that, that Christ has given us these gifts. He alludes to Jesus' ascension after he conquered death our great enemies like a king who would conquer another country and would share the spoils of the victory with his people. So Jesus has resurrected, ascended, and he's distributed gifts to his people. And these gifts, he mentions some who have particular gifts in verse 11, those leaders like apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And they have a particular job, and that is in verse 12, to equip everybody else to do the work of ministry. And of course, we know from the rest of Scripture that, that God's people have spiritual gifts. And 1 Peter 4 teaches us that we need to use them. We need to use them. Peter says if you have the gift of serving to serve, the gift of speaking to speak, and we do it all by God's strength and all for God's glory. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 that we, we use our gifts for, for, the, for the common good of the congregation. If, you, if you're gifted spiritually, it's not for your benefit. It's for the benefit of the church. And so it's important that you use your gifts. Some people often say, I don't, I don't see uh, any need for a church. I don't, I don't see what, how the church is going to bless me. And, and uh, that, that's wrongheaded thinking to begin with. But, but I often flip it on them and say, have you ever thought that the church needs you? Like, like if you're a Christian, uh, you have spiritual gifts and you need to, to use your gifts. And, and the fact is we're all gifted differently. Like some people in our church are crazy gifted when it comes to technology, you know. Nobody wants me to build a website, trust me. Um, we have some people that are gifted in encouragement. You know, they, 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 they write their letters and their eyes are dotted with hearts. And, uh, you know, if you're a guy, don't do that. It, it, if, uh, for uh, hospitality, you know, we have people just great gifts of hospitality. They probably watch the Food Network regularly. Um, some have gifts of teaching. Some have gifts of mercy. Some, some have uh, gifts of administration, which I don't understand. But Paul says that's a real gift. And praise God, we have people with the gift of administration. They love Microsoft, Excel, and Office Depot. And, and they, they like charts, you know. And, and we need one another in the body. You know, back in 1990, Michael Jordan, he scored 69 points in a game, career high. And the next uh, night, or th that night, they interviewed Stacy King, who was a rookie uh, on the team with Jordan. And Stacy King that night scored one point. 
And King was interviewed and he said, uh, I will never forget the night that Michael Jordan and I combined for 70 points. <laughs> and and it, it, of course, Stacey King was not on this team to, to score. He was on this team to rebound, to set picks for Michael Jordan, but he was there to, to contribute to the team. And they were a team and the, the body of Christ is a team of members that are using their gifts for the advancement of the mission, for the building up of one another. So a healthy church is marked by spiritual unity. It's marked by spiritual diversity, right? Jesus has given us gifts, gifts to be used, gifts to bless one another in the world. And then finally, he says that a healthy church is marked by a growing maturity, that a healthy church is a growing church. And so he says that in uh, verse 13, where uh, the, the saints are equipped to do ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, he adds, until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. And what is maturity? Next phrase, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. So, so the church is growing. Individuals are growing more into the image of Christ. What does this involve? Well, it involves, he says here, Christ-likeness. Like we, we want to, to be more like Jesus in our character, in our conduct, in our mission. Verse 14, it also involves doctrinal stability, that we're growing in our understanding of truth, our understanding of doctrine. Verse 14 says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. So children, you know, are, are gullible. They're, they're prone to wonder. Uh, children are, are young. They need to be taught and retaught things all, all the time. Um, you know, you can't just tell your nine-year-old, hey, why don't you drive yourself to the supermarket? <laughs> you, like the nine-year-old needs to grow up. They need to be taught uh, before you, you send them away. And, and when it comes to the basics of, of doctrine, we, we have to train new believers. They're, they're like kids. And maturity involves a, a growth in character that looks like Jesus, a growth in understanding that children are having this stability, that, that God's Children are growing in their understanding of the scriptures and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And then he says in verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, this is one of the areas in which we have to grow. This area of, of, of speaking God's truth, sometimes hard truth with love and compassion and tenderness. And then he, he finishes the section by saying that, that all of this is dependent upon Christ, that we are growing together and we are, we are, our, our dependency is on Jesus, the, the head of the body. We're growing into him. And this is where our power comes from when it comes to unity. So just a few questions as we, as we finish up here. As you think about this issue of conflict and this issue of disunity and our need to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. What happens when you have a conflict in the church? What happens when you're at odds with someone? Because believe it or not, it might happen. Well, you can fight. And that happens a lot, unfortunately. You can flee. And that happens a lot. I'm not going to deal with the issue. I'm just going to go. I'm out. Or you can follow Ephesians 4. And my suggestion is you follow Ephesians 4. Rather than fighting, rather than fleeing, you try to do chapter 4, put on these virtues of Christ, maintain unity, have the awkward conversation for the good of the church and the glory of God. Now, every church has problems, okay? Do you realize we would not have a New Testament if churches didn't have problems? <laughs> All the epistles are written in some way to address problems. And so the question is not Will you have problems in your church, but how can you contribute to the unity of the church? 
And we don't contribute to unity by, by fighting with one another. We don't contribute to unity by fleeing from the situation. We contribute to unity by following this pattern that Paul has given us. We realize we're united by this common calling. We put on the character of Jesus, right? We realize that what holds us together are these core essential doctrines that are beautiful and glorious. And we're, we're eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. So perhaps there's someone in your body that you need to have a conversation with. Perhaps you need to play the peacemaker and try to reconcile people. Let's see the importance of the church here. Let's realize that this is not going to be easy, but we are made for community. And God in His grace has put us in a community called the church. And it is wonderful. It is rich. But it will also have problems. And so let's be a people that practice Ephesians 4. And let's pray for grace to do that. <music>